Welcome to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman here broadcasting from Des Moines, Iowa, the cultural and culinary crossroads of America. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, now offering my favorite holiday gift idea, Orchestrate Hospitality Gift Cards. You can support Gateway and other great local businesses with a gift that covers a huge selection of quality groceries and restaurant offerings. Gift cards are good not only at Gateway Market, but at Centro, Django, Malo, Zombie Burger, and several other locations. That offer is good through December 31st. Hey, uh, Charles, welcome to the program. And before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to the Des Moines Irish Session for providing our bumper music. And before we talk about the big elephant in the room, in the presidential election room, that is, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., I, I got to play, play this clip for you, okay? Sure. And who could it have been? Let's see, I don't know. Let me think. Let me knock on Mr. Noggin. <laughs> who could trick us into doing that? Could have been... Satan! <laughs> <laughs> you remember that Dana Carvey church lady skit? Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, I got to play that as we go into our conversation about Iowa again making the national news. I heard, um, I heard this, um, I heard the uh, story on I think two different um, big stations as I was driving across the country. And uh, in both times, it was, uh, well, one, one guy, one conservative talk show host was trying to blame Iowa Democrats. Uh, of course. For putting up the satanic temple, you know? Right. Uh, and then, of course, there was a Democratic blogger blaming, quote, Christians, as if all Christians are the same ilk, right? Okay. The whole thing is just so stupid. I mean, and if the Republicans hadn't decided to invite religion into the state capitol, it never would have happened. True. I mean, the First Amendment should cut both ways. Uh, it doesn't always anymore, obviously. Well, and right now the governor is just uh, encouraging us. Well, to she's praying. She pray, wants us to pray. pray. Let's yeah. pray away it's the Satan. Same response after after a mass mass shooting. Just just pray. Right. So <laughs> exactly. Least, uh, I, and, although I wouldn't equate this display with a mass shooting. No, I wouldn't either. But it's just uh, you know you know it, it's just it, it's their own doing. They didn't have to decide to you know push the envelope on you know on on separated separation of church and state. And so, yeah, we well, have... Uh, well, but, but because the, the Christian minority in this country acts as though they are in the majority. The fact is, is that the most common identification now in the United States in terms of religion is none or some variant of the same. Yeah, some very, variant of right. agnostic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, anyway, so it's, a, it's just <laughs> fascinating. This story was, it, it was so far and wide uh, broadcast that some uh, conservative uh, political candidate from Mississippi decided to um, boost his uh, prospects in the next election, as I'm sure this will, by coming up and destroying it. He destroyed the Satanic Temple. Well, first of all, <laughs> just, just so people, just a quick background on the Satanic Temple. Um, if you go to their website, um, they in particular are trying to make clear that they are not the, uh, the Church of Satan. Right. which is a completely different entity. Now, they are provocateurs. There's no question about right. it. And I, the name they choose I'm, is, is, is provocative, is but, provocative yeah, yeah, yeah. but it doesn't imply a worship of Satan. Mm -hmm. I mean, their fundamental tenets are act with compassion, struggle for justice. One's body is inviolable, subject to one's own will. Freedoms of others should be respected, including the freedom to offend. Um, <laughs> which should which they've done. <laughs> beliefs should conform to one's best si scientific understanding of the world, which is interesting since we're going to talk about RFK. Um, people are fallible. <laughs> if you make a mistake, one should do one's best to rectify it. And every tenet is a guiding principle designed to inspire nobility in action and thought. These are their seven tenets, which actually were part of the display. Right. But then enter Ron. Along with the ram's head. Right. right. Enter Ron DeSantis. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. And, and Who, Who's Ron going to blame for this? Well, this is, it was actually pretty interesting. First of all, they didn't bring it up this morning, but he was on uh, Morning Joe on MSNBC. Uh -huh. And the ineptitude of him, him of his candidacy was was so obvious. He, he has no ability to make small talk. He starts out by this very stilted discussion of the Florida State football team that uh, got 
supposedly shafted. They were undefeated, but they're not going to play in the championship, and they they got shafted by Alabama. And, and that and, has what to do with this? Well, because Joe Scarborough is from Alabama. Oh, okay. Oh, he's raised in Alabama. But the point is, he's so uncomfortable in making this kind of small talk, and it's so stilted and so mechanical. Mm-hmm. You can see why he's not an attractive well, and, candidate. Well, and you can see why hey, uh, Nikki Haley is uh, now, I mean, I think on track to surpass him as the uh, second distant but second uh, Second uh, ca- second place spot in the Republican primary. I, I would agree with that. I think but, the but money's I, going towards her. And I think it's amazing though that DeSantis and he he tried to blame Donald Trump for the satanic display at the Iowa State Capitol. I mean, he would have done. He would have been more accurate to try to blame Kim Reynolds, right, for allowing religious symbols at the state capitol. Correct. No, he tries to blame Trump. Well, but but of course, Kim Reynolds has endorsed him. Right. And, that's why. Yeah. And yeah. The, the funny thing about this whole thing was that first the. DeSantis' first move was right out of Trump, which mm-hmm. was he says, "Well, we're going to pay. We're going to pay for the costs of this gentleman who defaced the uh, display. Right, right. We're going to pay for their legal costs." The problem was that the GoFundMe had already reached its goal. Well, it reached tw- it hit twenty thousand bucks 000. in no time at all. Right. And then the guy said, "Oh, wait a minute. I guess I need more." <laughs> well, but the thing the thing is that that's right out of the uh, the Trump playbook, where he sure. of course said, oh, "I'm yeah. going to pay the legal costs." For the people who were beating up people, if you wanted to or, beat up people at his rallies, or for his be, own legal costs. Well, forget that. And part. he's very he's very successful right. at raising money for for all those things. You yeah. Know? But but basically, DeSantis's thing with Trump was well, Trump's IRS gave the uh, Satanic Temple. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the, st- the, the the nonprofit st- status of yeah, other sure. religions, and so yeah. therefore it was Trump who did it. <laughs> I mean, it was really lame. Yeah, it's such a stretch. I can't imagine that many people are going to buy that. But anyway, um, let's move on to the uh, the the the, um, <laughs> the big elephant in the political uh, presidential campaign room, RFK Jr. So, you know, we 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 can talk about. Let's talk first about his prospects for winning, and then let's talk about the track record. So. I've I've gone out on a limb, according to some people, and said that you know, it's uh, I I really think he's he's probably going to win. I mean that's not an endorsement. Win what? Well, I think he's going to be the next president. I do. I I think there's enough dissatisfaction with Trump and Biden, and enough volatility in the entire political sphere right now, where somebody uh, with his depth of financial support, name recognition, and and and. A track record that's hard to pin down. I think he's. I think he's going to pull it off. Why? Why do you say his track record is hard to pin down? Because he's got this great environmental track record that extends over a long period of time. He's done. He's he's done. You know. Uh, he's he's done advocacy for uh, poor communities affected by polluting factories. He's got a strong stance against uh, um, U.S. military adventurism overseas. Um, so you know that's all stuff that is going to appeal to people on the political left. And yet he's got this. Uh, this strong uh, track record now against vaccines. Um, you know, he's got this border statement, this, this statement on immigration that just came out that it could have been could have been right out of a playbook of any any number of uh, Republican presidential candidates. So it's kind of a very very odd mix that I think will probably appeal to enough people uh, who are very dissatisfied with Trump and Biden that um, that he, he's going to pull it off. And how is what is his pathway to an electoral victory? Uh, again, the extreme dissatisfaction with both Trump and Biden. And again, you know, it's not we, we forget. I mean, there has not been an independent candidate elected to president or beyond Ross Perot, you know, hitting more than 20 percent. Um, but look at the independents in the U.S. Senate. We have three of them right now. Kristen Sinema, um, uh, Angus King from Maine. Uh, Bernie Sanders in Vermont, and then if you look at the list of other, uh, other, other U.S. senators not affiliated with either the Democratic or Republican Party, and there's a lot of them, and they're from a bunch of states. So, if that can happen uh, at the at, at a state level, you know, there's no reason it can't happen uh, at the <laughs> national level. I, I think that's extraordinarily simplistic. Well, thank not, you. Not, <laughs> not gonna, you cannot extrapolate from the state level to. Well, the, no. the fact that basically our national election for the president has come down to five or six states. 
You know, I mean, why even has, bother, why even has, bother so. running in the other ones? You might just well, run in the six okay. swing states. Well, except that I think that, uh, that right now the definition of swing state is thrown into confusion because of the entry of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. into the presidential election. Okay. So, uh, so first of all, um, his, his anti-vaxxer um, credentials have made, well, I want to call, even call them credentials because he's continued on the thimerosal issue and autism when it's clearly been shown that there's no scientific relationship between these. And the one article that was published in Lancet was a total fraud. Um, but he's continued on this. Right. And he's, he is, yes, his, what is it, his children's defense entity, you know, which which is a nonprofit that pays him like $500,000 a year to be part of. <laughs> yeah, um, it, yeah it, it, it's, it's kind of your standard anti-vaxxer, uh, you know, outfit now. And that appeals, I agree. I mean, in, in fact, one of the things interesting is a lot of what he's saying will appeal more to— oh, the- the never Trumpers. Sure. Well, and yeah. no, and and he uh, he his the polling a number of polls show that he pulls more votes from Trump supporters than from Biden supporters, but it's not by much. He pulls a he pulls a bunch of support from both, and I think that's only going to increase as we go forward, as the dissatisfaction with Trump. I, I, I think it continues go, to deepen. I, I think it'll just go the opposite way, which okay. is well, that you can't be right all the time. He's <laughs> he's a, he's a name because he's a Kennedy. He, he does have, certainly in his somewhat distant past, certainly his environmental work. That's um, not that distant. A lot of what he does now is just lucrative to him. It's, it's, not, it's not the kind of work he was doing when he first started doing this. Um, but he's really deep into the anti-vaxxer thing. He's, 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 his big thing right now is the HPV vaccine mm-hmm. and suing. I think, it, I think Merck is the, the company that developed that. Yeah, and I, I, am, I am mystified as to why he has gone so hard in that direction. I mean, I, I can understand having an opinion about it. Right. But at the point of, what, didn't he write a book uh, bashing Anthony uh, Anthony? Yeah, Fauci? he did. He did. That's correct. <laughs> that's, a, that's, you know, but again, okay, so that's, um, that's a bit, you know, you know I, and, I, and I, you know, you and I may not agree in 100% on vaccines, but I, I think we have, we're a lot closer than, than, than any one of us might be to, to Kennedy. But, uh, you know, it's, I, the bottom line is politically, this is, and I'm not sure this is why. He may actually genuinely believe what he's saying. He probably does. But politically, well, it's not a bad move if you're trying to appeal, if you're trying to peel away the Republican support for Trump. Yes. I mean, and, 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 and that really is what the anti-vaxxer movement has become, which is it's, it's becoming heavily, you know, run in tandem with the MAGA philosophy, which is that their, their objection to the vaccine is the issue of personal freedom, right? None of them, none of the people, no lay people really have enough scientific knowledge to know one way or the other. I mean, even the doctors who are anti-vaxxers, there, there are two motivations there. One is they make money off of it. A lot of these, these anti-vax docs are running these various clinics for right. alternatives to help you along COVID and everything else. And some would argue that the medical profession has made money off of being uh, pro-vaccine, too. Well, certainly the drug companies have. Uh, vaccines are not hugely profitable. Even for the drug This in, one in particular— this one was because of the urgency. But the, the thing is, is that what they're claiming the vaccine does is the same thing the virus does. Viruses insert themselves sure. into your DNA. They insert their genome into your DNA. Much of our, our DNA is viral remnants, some of which may at one time have been useful, some of which are just garbage and don't mm-hmm. ever do anything. But um, so the science is, is not good to say that there's, that you can certainly say it's vaccine versus getting the virus. Plus... Personally, Kennedy got the vi- vaccines. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm not sure where that comes yeah. from. And then he blamed the flu vaccine for his dysphonia, which probably is genetic because others in his family have it. You know, the way he spoke. Yeah, we sure, saw sure, him speak. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I like a lot of what he said when we were there. But it's kind of like a catalog and, and, of progressive And, and, and again, what, what he said, he was, he, his, 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 his stance on, on, on corporate farming is good. And he was even involved with lawsuits against uh, factory farms in various states. Right. He's uh, been a strong supporter of renewable energy, with some caveats when it comes to 
offshore wind turbines uh, near the uh, Kennedy compound in Cape Cod. <laughs> I know. Um, but again, his environmental track record, his, his track record of environmental justice, um, and, and a lot of victories, too, on behalf of uh, water, on behalf of poor communities affected by environmental pollution. Yeah, it's, it's, none, uh, none of which matters to most of the people who are voting. It matter to I the younger it, people. I think it will uh, matter. They, well, I, you wish they would matter. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's pretty clear the biggest issues are going to be abortion, the economy. Not so much what the economy is actually doing, but how I feel about the economy. And, no. um, the, and uh, immigration. Well, okay, and on two of those three, he's going to appeal to, to Democrats because he's, got, uh, he's, he's pro-choice. Right. Uh, and then well, I, but that's no, no different than Biden. And then economically, he he blames our focus on on the on the military industrial complex as one of the biggest problems facing us economically. And I think he's right on that. I mean, we spend so much money on war, and the the two current wars that we're promoting uh, are do are, are doing great things for the uh, military contractors. Oh and, my God, I can't believe I'm hearing. This, this is what? like something ran in the 1960s. I mean— What? You, 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 you don't think the military-industrial complex is a big deal? Of course I do, but okay. it's, not, so what's your it's not behind everything that happens in this no, country. No, but it's where, all, it's where the money goes. So much money is being spent on war right now. And Kennedy's right about that, and I think that will appeal to well, people on the left. Yeah, Meanwhile, but, you've got his, his, vax, his anti-vax uh, position and his weird stance on immigration that I think are going to appeal to people on the right. Well, I, I guess the, the, the other question here, two questions are, number one, his personal history is possibly even worse than Trump's. That's, that's a hard sell. Tell me more. I mean, the guy had a horrible drug addiction. Okay. Um, so we're going to hold that against him? extraordinarily messy divorce, which included, according to his now dead second ex-wife, right. um, that he was like, you know, mentally abusing her telling her constantly, you should just kill yourself, you're a disgusting human being. This is all out in, you know, the, the, the divorce paper. The, the, you know, I, don't know what to I don't know what to make of that. Well, she eventually did kill herself. I know that, yeah, but um, I, don't, I don't know what to make of the accusations. Um, it's hard to know. You know, I, I like, so, I'm like Trump where it's pretty clear yeah, his, <laughs> he did the, some really awful things. You know? his, his personal history, I think, is, is, is pretty bad. The second is, well, what it's, is it's going to be a target. You, don't, be target. you don't win elections necessarily you know this just on the issues what's his organization what is his how is he going to influence anybody to do anything if he were the president what does he have what do you mean uh, who have been the most effective presidents it's not it you don't you're not the most effective president because you have the mandate of the people how, who, I, I i'm not sure i can identify an effective president in terms of effective for good I'm sorry. I really, so you would I, say that that I mean, in a big way, maybe in some small way. I mean, okay, but I, you know what? I think I say the most effective president in my life was his uncle, John F. Kennedy. And and would have been more effective if he'd lived longer. Yeah, and but, so uh, I mean, Obama to me is the biggest disappointment. Like, okay, I, but I, so but what about the fact that actually. It was Johnson who got done most of what you're attributing to Because to Johnson Kennedy. had to do it. Kennedy and the civil rights movement uh, of the time had set the, uh, had set the wheels in motion that Johnson had no choice but to follow through with the Civil, civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act. I, I totally disagree well, with that. Well, then you're wrong again. No. I totally, <laughs> he, he, did it, he did it at the political expense of the Democrats, and he did it because he knew how to work. In Washington, so you think Johnson is the most effective president? Of our I, lifetime? I think, it, yeah, in our lifetime. Well, I, 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 I'd say he's second. I mean, Medicare, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act. I don't know how you can turn your back on those three things. No, no, right no, there. I don't. I, I agree, but I, but I, what I'm saying is, I think Kennedy helped set the stage for those to happen. In in some sense, perhaps. Yeah. And you know, and then of course he, you know, Johnson was undone by the Vietnam War. But I, I, I don't know that this Kennedy has the political this smarts Kennedy, yeah. to be able to. Get these things done. It's I nice that he believes I, them. I, I just don't either. see how he's going to get it done. I, I know one candidate who has zero smarts is Donald Trump. Right, and, and I mean, nothing <laughs> got done on Trump except <laughs> the, the few things he got done were all deleterious. I mean, yeah, yeah he dropped taxes. He, today he's out there saying that we're going to drop taxes even more again for, for, for rich people. For the rich people, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like, really? Is that what we need right now? No, I mean, I. 
I, I mean, I think that Kenny's going to continue. I think he has enough money behind him. Oh, yeah. Much, Absolutely. Much of it his from... His own, but then he's got a... He doesn't have a ton of, of his own money, though. He's pulling a lot of donations. He's pulling a lot of donations. Yeah. I, I, uh, my last point on Kennedy, though, is... All right. I got an email today from him. I, I, you know, I get his so stuff. I, I get... Me, you know, me too, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you see the one where he's offering... Spending a day doing falconry with him? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, to me, reminds me of the uh, stand-up paddleboarding episode of John Kerry... Oh. If you want to be a man of the people, yeah. you don't offer yeah, falconry. That, that, yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. absolutely, absolutely agree. That was dumb. That, you know, and that reminds me of uh, we had a candidate for governor here in Iowa who comes from a very wealthy background. And when mm-hmm. he was asked by the Des Moines Register to say something special about what he, something special about him that nobody knew, he talked about how fun it was to take 12 members of his family uh, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Again, man of the people, you know. I mean, <laughs> just yeah, as opposed to the, the, the politicians who send out the Christmas family picture with everyone's arm with an Under, AR, uh, AR-15, yeah, or, including or, the three-year-old, or in Bermuda, <laughs> <laughs> depending which, depending whether you're trying to appeal to a Republican or a Democratic base. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I think you know. It's, it's, what about the I, other third-party candidates? Cornell that's West, a good question. That's a good Jill question. Stein. If Corn- well, Cornell West and Jill Stein are in, and that could make a difference. That, that that might throw a wrench into my prediction that Kennedy's going to win this. Because mm. you know, I mean, some may, some may say uh, he's too some some pro environmentalists who can't go with Biden are going to say, well, I'll just go with I'll, I'll go with West or with um or with uh, Stein. You know, I, I don't I don't know. It's it's hard to say how what that what the base of that um, of those two candidates is going to be like. Um, and when you get elections that are so close. It could happen. So I, I, that's the one caveat I put into my prediction that, uh, that Kennedy's going to win. All right. Well, we definitely have to keep a recording of this. Who do you think is going to win? I think Biden's going to win. Really? Yeah. I think that once people are reminded about Donald Trump, particularly with his, his almost rabid nature lately in terms of everything that he did in the first term, now it's, he's going to like up it like three or fourfold. And this notion it's just going to be a retribution tour. People are going to figure out nothing's going to get done. The problem is there is a huge enthusiasm gap. And there, that, that was, there, there was enthusiasm for dumping Trump back in 2020. And so even though Trump got, what, 11 million more votes in 2020 than he did in 2016, mm-hmm. he still lost. Right. So you've you got to count on that enthusiasm vote being there. And you've got to count on it not going with any of the three non-democratic or Republican options. And I, I just don't see it happening. Well, we'll find out. All right. We're going to put some big money on this one? <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> well, right. gambling is essentially legal now. So oh, you can gamble on anything these days. Yeah, just exactly. like you can put any kind of religious symbol at the state capitol. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, we've got to take a short break. Uh, Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman with you here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the COP28 Climate Summit. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Gateway Market and Cafe is Des Moines' locally owned grocery and specialty food store, centrally located at ML King Parkway and Woodland Ave. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, hand-cut meats, local and international cheeses, wines, and craft beer. Gateway's Cafe is open for dine-in, carry-out, and delivery service seven days a week. Stop by or visit gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market. Good food, great community. At Story County Veterinary Clinic, Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, if you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's clients stick with her year after year because they know she'll do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Kim a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to the Catholic Peace Ministry, an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese, Catholic Peace Ministry focuses on nuclear disarmament, the need for diplomacy in Ukraine, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and ending the permanent war economy. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. 
Thanks also to Westerm Optometry located in Des Moines East Village. Dr. Joel Westerm and his staff are fluent in English and Spanish. The clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Westerm Optometry. All right, Charles, so uh, you have been, I assume, paying attention to the biggest story that has gotten very little play in the, in the media, uh, COP28, the climate summit in Dubai. And, uh, you know, there are various takes on whether it was a success or not. We're going to start with you. Um, Unless you want to start with me. <laughs> I think my feeling about COP is it's a voluntary agreement. There is no way of enforcing it. They spent a lot of time deciding how, what words they were going to use to say our transition to uh, alternative energy sources, you know, and what would happen with oil and gas in the meantime. Um, the fact that they consider natural gas a better option than oil, I don't see that as really true, you know. I, it, no, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's, 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 the, the methane emissions from natural gas are, what, 80 times as bad yeah. as, as the carbon emissions from, from coal or oil? Correct. Yeah. Um, so, and the problem is, as every one of these world conferences goes, the countries that are developing are pushing back against the major emitters and saying, well, you all got to play at our expense for all these decades, you know, and what are we supposed to do? Oil and gas is the cheapest way to develop our infrastructure. Well, is that true anymore? I mean, I think only if it's subsidized, uh, solar and wind are becoming, uh, I think already have become less expensive than fossil fuels, if you take away the subsidies. Well, but there are subsidies, all sorts of subsidies, there's also depreciation allowances, you know, and... But there shouldn't be. Well, there shouldn't be, but you're, <laughs> you're asking for an agreement on the part of everybody in the world yeah. not to do that. I think the biggest problem with COPE is that you, you've got, uh, what, how, many, how many fossil fuel lobbyists were at the uh, summit? Uh, the head, the guy leading the charge? Supposedly was using as a, a opportunity to make deals yeah. on the side. No, I right. mean, that, yeah. that, that was verified. He's, he's yeah. on the side making deals for the United Arab Emirates to right. sell oil to other countries. It's just... Um, you know, and of course, the uh, the mouthpiece of the status quo, the New York Times, uh, writes, quote, there are just two little words. They appear on just one page of an 11,000-word document, but the inclusion of the phrase, quote, fossil fuels in the final agreement from COP28 marks a potentially trajectory-altering moment in the fight against climate change. Really? You're, you're, they're, they're excited by the inclusion of the words fossil fuels? I mean, yeah, come I mean, on! You have you have set the bar so low. You know, the bottom line is nothing really concrete or or or, or requiring any any action came out of this. No, I again, agree with you. Again, you know, and, and meanwhile, you know, I mean, meanwhile, you know, you look at the the uh, well, the great story in the Guardian uh, about the um, the uh, five natural thresholds that have already been crossed. Uh, you know, the tipping points that are that are more and more evident. Um, the, the big ice sheets in Greenland and the West Antarctic, uh, the widespread thawing of permafrost, the death of coral reefs in the warmer waters, uh, and the impending collapse of uh, the North Atlantic Ocean current. <laughs> I mean, you know, these things are like staring us in the face and all we can come up with, we can get excited about including the words fossil fuels in the agreement, the 11,000-page agreement out of COPE? Come on. Well, but here, but here again, give us some pragmatic and practical ways to answer what the developing countries are saying. Well, I mean, part of what they want is a loss and damage fund, and uh, some progress is how made many, on that. How many trillions would that be? Yeah, I well, mean, that's you have the catastrophes like yeah. most recently in Pakistan with the floods, sure. Bangladesh, which it seems like every two years, that, you know, they have some devastating flood. Mm-hmm. You've got Pacific Islands that are going to be underwater, yeah. you know. Uh, you, you know, I, I understand where the loss and damage fund is coming from, but the bottom line is there is no way to provide anywhere near the amount of money needed to accommodate for all the damage that's already coming at us and the worst damage that will be coming at us as these five tipping points and other tipping points are reached. But a lot of, a lot of what you want to address is very decentralized. You know, so for instance... It's one thing to say you want to get people over to electric cars, 
right? And there are identifiable things you can change to make that viable, right? Mm-hmm. You can improve the electrical grid. You can, you know, build super uh, the, the supercharger stations. You can do those things. Those are very tangible. But you know, for instance, on the way over here, they were talking about um, this is know, NPR. This is NPR, right? A five. Th- 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 there's a five-state consortium which um, creates recommendations for changing building codes every three years. Mm-hmm. And they do incorporate, in fact, as part of those changes, uh, energy, you know, viability in a climate change world. Mm-hmm. In particular, the fact that it's going to be much hotter in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and therefore you need to build houses that are able to be cooled more efficiently. Kind of like houses from the 1800s, early 1900s. I don't think people are going to go for no air conditioning. Well, no, but I mean, I, I know, I know, I know. I but know. We, we live in one correct. of those homes, right. and uh, well, it's an apartment, right? But it was built. It was it's the oldest row house in Des Moines, and we have what uh, nine, ten foot ceilings. I haven't measured mm-hmm. them, but they're up there. Uh, those aren't great um, in terms of heating because a lot of the heat goes up, but right. they're great in terms of cooling. That's correct. And so the, there are things that, that we. I mean, we keep it less. Like, okay, but but the point is, is that there are people who are trying to address this. Sure. At the level that would matter, which is. Doing something, you know, there's two ways of addressing this. Either deal with it at the smokestack mm-hmm. where it's centralized, sure. which is why electrical power generation makes the most sense because that's a very centralized energy. Mm-hmm. Or deal with it at a small level in, in, you know, in multiple homes. And, of course, better insulation, better window, and you know, better windows, uh, higher ceilings. All these things would be helpful. The problem is, what do you think? It costs a lot more sure. to build a house that is viable in the new climate. And when you ask people, are you willing to pay extra money for a house that does it versus not getting a thousand more square feet, you know what they're gonna choose. They're gonna they're gonna, they're gonna go with bigger. They're at least gonna in go America, with bigger. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so well, I, I think that's at some that's point the they're not gonna be able to make that choice. That choice will be made for us by the planet. By the planet. Okay. The planet is gonna say, okay, you know, sorry, <laughs> climate change is here. Adjust. And if you don't adjust, you don't live, you know. And I and I, I just it's I sound pretty harsh when I talk about this stuff, but again, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the data, and I, I study this stuff all the time, and it does not look good. And I look at what came out of COP28, and I'm thinking, okay, the political universe has again failed us. And part of the problem is this political event is dominated by fossil fuel interests. There are more lobbyists there representing oil and gas and coal than there are representing. NGOs, nonprofit groups that work on addressing climate change. How is that ever going to be successful? It's not. You know, so I guess I'm I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. I'm not surprised. I am very interested in what's happening. I mean, some of the uh, some of the efforts that are tracking what's going on, the, the, the folks tracking what, what went on at COBE is saying, okay, right now it's back to the streets. And I look at I look at what just happened in the Netherlands. This has been going on for a couple of years. Where it mm-hmm. um, started with a small protest blocking a highway, uh, a major highway, and um, led to bigger and bigger efforts to, to you know, close down this uh, critical part of the infrastructure. And, you know, that, that, that angered a lot of Dutch people. They, they wanted to get to work, and, you know, suddenly the road is closed. But overall, it began to have more and more of an impact, and more and more people showed up. The coolest thing about it was a 180-piece orchestra showed up. Right. <laughs> it wasn't a formal orchestra. It was just people who brought their instruments. But I, I heard a recording of this. Dang, they were good. <laughs> they yeah. were really good. Did they Did they also use the January 6th singers? No. <laughs> they did not use the January 6th singers. Uh, and interestingly, some of them had their instruments confiscated by the police. Yeah. So what do they do? They come back a little bit later and do another performance of the same piece of music but playing it uh, air style. Oh, you know? air style. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, 9,000 people were arrested mm-hmm. in these protests. And yeah. the, the, the target, and it was a very specific ask. We want the, the Dutch government to stop spending money subsidizing fossil fuels. And interestingly, as, as, the, as, the, as the story became more and more clear, uh, the amount of money that the Dutch government was subsidizing fossil fuels by kept growing. I mean... You know, they, they, they first claimed it was like, I can't remember five, I can't remember how much it was, but, but it kept, uh, kept going up. <laughs> and finally, they realized it was uh, close to oh, 50, almost $51 billion a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, 9,000. Didn't, didn't the Dutch just elect? 
Yeah. They just elected Gear Wilders. Right, right. Yeah, I know. So, but you know, I'm not sure how much how environmental uh, well, you know, stewardship but, is going to fare under they're, that they're, government. They're not a presidential. They're not a presidential republic. They, mm-hmm. they they're they're a parliamentary system, and his ability to do crazy stuff is going to be extremely limited. No. And and again, the the Dutch government said, okay. You win. We're going to stop subsidizing fossil fuels. We're going to stop spending fifty-one billion a year to subsidize these corporations. That was a very successful campaign. That was a heck of a lot more successful than what happened in Dubai at COP twenty-eight. Yeah. So, well, I, but it, it gets back to what I said, which I think is that unfortunately it's going to be a, a conglomeration of unilateral actions that are probably be more effective than trying to create some sort of worldwide structure, mm. particularly given the right wing you know, ascent in so many places uh, around the world, particularly in Europe and, and, you know, the United States, it's hard to imagine a lot of uh, sympathy toward climate change because it, it, having to do things for climate change takes away people's freedom. Well, um, <laughs> it provides us the freedom to continue to live. <laughs> when, you when, know? Well, no, I understand, I, mean, what, I understand what you're saying. To be alive. Yes, I understand that. But people don't see those yeah. things Well, the again, same way. I mean, this is an example, too. If you stop spending, this is a small country, the Netherlands, mm-hmm. spending $51 billion a year to subsidize fossil fuels, you start, so you start knocking off all those public subsidies for the wrong thing, start redirecting them into the right direction. You know, you know it, 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 is, it, is, it is immediately more affordable to... Fund to to finance to 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 power your systems with renewable energy. When you once you start getting rid of those subsidies, but it also makes everything else more expensive. And look how Americans responded to inflation, yeah, which was lower than anywhere else, and now back down to three percent, and they're still complaining. Yeah. Well, hey, we got to move on, Charles. Uh, I know you're just itching to talk about Moms for uh, Liberty, moms, your favorite moms, group. My, my favorite group. Your moms, favorite moms group. Moms for Tyranny of the, of the Minority. <laughs> and apparently there's a sex scandal involved, so I'm sure you're going to want to tune into that, folks. Uh, <laughs> Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman will be back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Years ago, Chef George Fromaro envisioned a new market to house all his favorite foods under one roof in the heart of Des Moines. From that vision, Gateway Market was born. Over the years, Gateway has become Central Iowa's premier good food store, bringing together the world's finest products with Iowa-grown foods and passionate, personalized service. Gateway's welcoming environment in downtown's Sherman Hill neighborhood encourages discovery and honors the simple pleasures of the table. If you're looking for quality foods with a community focus, experience the good food difference at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Catholic Peace Ministry was founded in 1981 to work for peace and justice. It's an independent nonprofit with no ties to the Des Moines Catholic Diocese and is guided by an ecumenical board representing many faith traditions. CPM focuses on the urgency of nuclear disarmament and the need for diplomacy in Ukraine. CPM also provides an educational forum about the permanent war economy, which must be challenged if we are to achieve lasting peace and justice. Learn more at catholicpeaceministry.org. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Hey, thanks to Architecture by Synthesis, owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you could afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of marked work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. Thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been caring for all creatures, great and small, for over 30 years. Learn more at Story County Veterinary Clinic's Facebook page. All right, so folks, Charles and I have been talking about Satan. Uh, We've been talking about uh, the end of the world, and it's time to move on to something um, more cheery. Um, sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, sex is only a little bit a part of this. Uh, although I guess in some ways it does play into it in, in a manner I hadn't really thought about. So, yeah, you know, we're, um, I think the last time we got together, we talked a little bit about, you know, my favorite organization, Moms for Tyranny of the Minority, yeah. Mo- otherwise actually, known as actually, Moms for Liberty. Moms for Liberty. Right. Yeah. And, so, they, and they, um, they took a beating in the last election. They did. Um, I mean, they, they, targeted, they targeted six states in particular, Iowa being one of them, and, and one 
exactly one race in Alaska. Um, the uh, candidates for school board in northern uh, Virginia, where at one time the Moms for Liberty had a lot of influence, uh, you know, particularly helping Youngkin get uh, winning the governorship there. They actually helped him? They did, yeah. How, how, how did that help? Um, well, because they, <clears throat> they were very vocal on the issues of pornography and what was being taught in the schools. And, and okay. they, you know, they took advantage of people coming out of COVID and the parents for the first time saw what was actually going on in school. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But now, but now they, they run into some problem, apparently. Well, and they have. And, I mean, and a sex scandal is part of it. That's part of it. Yeah. But, well, first of all, let's just a little bit about Moms for Liberty. Okay. Um, so it was founded in 2021 by three uh, women, one of whom um, is Bridget Ziegler. Bridget Ziegler is the wife of the Republican vice chair, Republican Party vice chair in Florida, hmm. Christian Ziegler, who we'll find out was maybe not acting so Christian-like no. uh, in, in a little <laughs> it bit. It wasn't following his name. Th- that's correct. Okay, right. um, and uh, I, I believe Bridget Ziegler was also kind of doing media work for various Republican organizations. Um, and they kind of presented themselves as a um, grassroots group. Mm-hmm. And everyone, you know, asked the question of how did these three moms, you know, and they were doing the usual thing, uh, you know, no talking about LGBTQ topics in school, books that were, you know, shouldn't be on the shelves in school libraries. Um, and so within like a month or two of them getting this together, suddenly they're appearing on Limbaugh radio show. Well, Limbaugh, Carlson. Limbo would have been dead, but no. Well, Limbo like maybe it was twenty twenty. Must been twenty twenty. He was still oh, okay. alive. He was still alive. Right, right, okay. And so he's on Lim. They're on Limbaugh. They're on uh, Carlson. They're on Tucker Glenn Beck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and on Fox. News. All of our favorite shows. Right. But I mean, this is really early on, and so people began looking at them. And and for people who are interested, there's a great article on Alternate um, from a professor at. Um, University of Massachusetts, Boston. Um, and so, you know, suddenly they seem to be everywhere. And they seem to be getting, doing things that cost a lot of money. They're running these huge conferences and they're claiming that they're selling a lot of T-shirts. Okay. Now, they're a 501c3. Right. And so... It's a lot of T-shirts. Right. It's a lot of T-shirts. And actually, when they, in 2022... In, in their tax statement, you know, for the, the IRS, they actually only sold $96,000 worth of T-shirts. You know, so... Still pretty good. Yeah, but it didn't pay for the hundreds of thousands of no, dollars no, they were spending no. on on people who were working in the organization. And it, it turns out that they're not, they're not a grassroots organization. They're just an astroturf entity of the Republican Party. So who's funding them? Uh, for the most part, the Kochs. And, and I know we always, play, we, always, we always blame Charles Koch, but there's no question in this case that they have a um, very tight bond with um, the Center Center for National Policy, which is a Koch you know, think tank, and the Leadership Institute, which is also associated with this. And of course, like all of these organizations are also linked to a bunch of people who gave money for the Stop the Steal rally oh. on January 6th, including the woman who's the heiress to the public supermarket fortune. I'll have to tell my mom to stop shopping there. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it's pretty clear that they're just an astroturf organization for the Republicans. Okay. But they're presenting so, themselves as, well, so. And how was that discovered? Because a lot of that stuff can be done very, uh, very uh, conveniently under the radar these days. That's correct. That's correct. I don't know how this came out other than, you know, news press releases and things like that. They knew the, the people they were associating with were known by the person who's doing this research to be heavily involved with Leadership Institute, Charlie Kirk and Turning Points involved here. And the, the money from the heiress to the public's fortune um, was, in fact, that was disclosed. So the point is, is that it, it, it really was just a marketing arm of mm-hmm. the Republicans to use the culture wars. And of course, what they were doing is what we've already talked about. They would go to, to, to school boards in counties that none of these people had children in, right? Sure, yeah, In yeah. schools. I mean, and so they would show up, the same people would show up and complain about the same books. You know, the, uh, another group did research on like the books that have come up in every state, you know, where the, the, this has been, you know, sort of pushed. 
And it, it turns out like 15 people have made like a thousand of these, you know, uh, requests that books be taken out yeah. from these school libraries. But anyway, so as you said, they didn't do as well in the uh, 2022, 2023, 2023 election, yeah. you know, off-year election. They they won maybe 35. You know, locally, I think here in Des Moines, we had like 14. They got cleaned out. Theocratic here. school can school board candidates. And they so got cleaned only out. Only one won. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I, I thought they all I got think, cleaned out. I think it was just one. Yeah. But and nationally, um, they lost about 65 percent of the races in which they were either visibly uh, supporting somebody. And as I said in Virginia, the the people there said, "Don't endorse us." Right, 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 right. It's not really a positive. So what, 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 um, okay, so the funding was exposed, and then there was a sex scandal? Well, yeah, this is the most recent thing. Okay, so, so Bridget Ziegler actually is no longer uh, in leadership okay. with the group. She's on the Sarasota School Board. And, but she is working in the Leadership Institute, which is this Charles Koch organization, yeah. as their uh, coordinator for their school board activities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Um, so anyway, about a month ago, it was announced that Christian Ziegler, the, the husband, the husband, was being investigated for assaulting and raping a woman. Okay, and in, okay, in Florida, in Florida, yeah. and he videotaped this. He videotaped what? The assault. What? Yeah. How but so- then he deleted it. But then he found it again. So, <laughs> okay, so he videotaped this. Gosh. People really got to, you know. People are so concerned with their privacy, they got to stop with the phone. You know what, what, I mean? what, what was his point in, in, I have uh, no in, idea. in, in recording I, it? I have no idea. I, I assume I mean, because I, he believed <clears throat> that it was consensual. Mm. Okay. But the, the thing with this was, it turned out that about a year before, this woman had had a threesome with Christian and Bridget. <laughs> Okay, these are the people, of course, who are out there as the moral majority, right? I mean, okay, people may say I'm horrible because I'm enjoying the schadenfreude of this, you know, <laughs> taking, taking uh, you know, pleasure in other people's suffering. Obviously not the suffering of this woman who claims she was raped, but the suffering of the Ziegler's. Sure. Um, but, yeah, so evidently what happened was, and why he went over there and evidently was very angered by her, uh, was that they had had this threesome before, <laughs> And when they planned another one, and then Bridget had to probably fly off to wherever the Cokes are, Oklahoma, you know, and do something with the Leadership Institute. And so she called to cancel the threesome, mm-hmm. right? And when, you know, um, Christian called up this woman, he said he still wanted to go through just one-on-one. Okay. <laughs> So we got the threesome, we got adultery, you know, we got all this stuff going on, right? And she said, well, no, because I really am not that interested in you, but I'm really interested in your wife. <laughs> all right. So, so this is the sex scandal. And the other thing, of course, is... Wait, it's multiple sex scandals rolled into one. <laughs> exactly. I mean, this is... It, it, it's just like... How often? When, do when does the movie come out? <laughs> well, and they're very close. They're very close to the DeSantis's. Oh, you know, and oh, another three-way potential there. Well, no, I, okay, I don't right. know that Casey is is is. We we shouldn't impugn Casey's morality, right. you know. And and the point is, no one really cares. I mean, I don't care. Well, you the, you do the, whatever you want to do, but don't be a hypocrite and don't be problem. telling other that's people the what problem. to do. Yeah, you're you know. you're, you're getting these books banned. You're you're making life miserable for for uh, LGBTQ people, and for right. school for school administrators, for teachers, and for students. Mm-hmm. And um and then this is the uh, the, the the hypocritical lifestyle you lead. I mean, right. that's exactly the point. So you know. it, it these people couldn't be more deserving of the embarrassment and maybe even the criminal charges that may result from this. So, you, yeah, so it, it, has this caused the uh, Moms for Liberty just to crumble? Is there anything left to it? Well, she, Bridget Ziegler is not affiliated with them anymore, so no. I mean, and they're claiming, yeah, that was the first thing they said. Well, she hasn't been in leadership she's on a, since. She's now on the school board in Sarasota. Well, and, and they voted four to one to take her off. Oh. She, she was the only vote not to take her <laughs> she off. She voted against <laughs> her own removal? <laughs> That's correct. Well, that would have said. Well, it's just like Paxson and, you know, yeah, or, or our representative in, in Steve Texas. King, you know. Yeah, I you think, know, so. Was he the only no vote against him being <laughs> probably. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I thought it was just interesting versus, because we we're going to talk about this anyway in terms of what a phony group this was to start with. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a, a pretty interesting little piece. And, you know, let's face it, a lot of people who are so 
It's no different than what happened at Liberty University, right? What happened? Fowell's son. Oh, Jerry. They Fowell? were having the three-way with the pool guy. Right? Oh, I remember this. Oh, yeah. That was way back. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and See, then, this is where institutional memory. No, this is not. No, this is not Fowell Senior. This is the oh, son. The, oh, the son. They oh, okay. asked him to step down. As oh, right, right, right. That was uh, maybe right. a decade ago or more. No, no, no. This was just fairly recent. Really? Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep track of all the sex scandals. Well, yeah. I mean, this is this is the whole point, which is you know people out there yelling and screaming about LGBTQ. I'm just assuming they're going to find them in some hotel in the Front Range out in Colorado with a 15 year old boy. You know because. A lot of a lot. I think, particularly for men, a lot of men are very ambiguous about their sexuality, mm-hmm. and they're 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 it, actually psychological psychological studies have shown that that the men who are most uncertain are the ones who are oftentimes the most homophobic, mm. because it, it's it's their own concerns that they're expressing, you know. Right. Plus, it fits with the culture they may well be part of. Have you ever thought of going into psychiatry as a second opinion after your Absolutely work not. as a no. surgeon? No, because no. my brother already does that, you know. Yeah, but does he do a good job? <laughs> he does. He's actually a very good psychiatrist. I didn't realize he. Was, I know he's an. I know, I know him as an author and as a Civil War scholar. I didn't know well, he was he, a psychiatrist. Right. As well. He was. He was a practicing practicing clinical psychologist. He did consultation liaison, which is a field looking at the medical manifestations of psychiatric illness and the psychiatric med, med, manifestations of medical illness. Um, so, and, yeah. Then he went to epidemiology and safety. One more question. Sure. So how is. Uh, how is the, we, I mean, we, we, we saw what happened in the 2023 election regarding school board mm-hmm. uh, seats. I mean, just totally against the, uh, the direction that Moms for Liberty wanted to take it. Now we have this, this, this deli- delightful sex scandal. <laughs> I mean, I'm being sarcastic. Um, and, you know, to what extent is all this going to erode the radical rights insistence on book bans on getting LGBTQ material out of schools, out of libraries even. I mean, it seems like this may be the big turning point where that direction, uh, you know, we, we stop going in that direction and start returning to some kind of level of sanity. Um, I, I think it shows that f- for the most part, even in a place like here, people don't care that much and that most of the energy is out of this. Yeah. And they actually care more about, hey, how are we gonna educate our children? You know, mm-hmm. and um, and but this is there's two thing, two things going on here. This is kind of like the Karl Rove strategy of put something else on the ballot that's going to bring people out, right? So it was it, it's not a serious issue, really. Yeah. It's mostly a get out the vote attempt, right. and that's what it, how it worked for Yunkin in Northern Virginia, which it got these people out, and then there was this, this pseudo scandal about but supposedly there was an assault. Hmm. With one of these transgender, uh, you know, transformation kids, it turned out it wasn't. But nevertheless, it, it helped him in the election. It helped but him then, in the election. But I, I think we're going to see diminishing returns on the ability of the radical extreme, the radical fringe, to use these arguments to turn up people for election. I agree, but but I will tell you that, and you, you know, you know this. The other part of this is this is heavily intertwined with the school choice movement mm-hmm. because that's the other freedom issue here, right? Which is the ability to get other people who are secular taxpayers, to pay your kid's bill at religious schools. So that they can go to the Satanic Temple School. I don't know if they have a it madrasa is just a or matter, not. It's just a matter of time before <laughs> the Satanic Temple starts a school. Yeah. And given what, given, what the, given what the legislature has done here and is doing in other states, they're probably going to get away with it. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, we, they'll probably get vouchers for it. They'll probably get vouchers <laughs> for it, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, so, um, yeah, we're going to take a short break, Charles. Again, Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman with you here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about beef. Back in a minute on the Fallon Forum. Architecture by Synthesis provides planning, design, and design-build services for high-performance, low-maintenance, affordable homes and buildings. Owner Mark Clipsham asks that you use the most energy-efficient methods you can afford and the greenest, longest-lasting materials available. Examples of Mark's work can be found at architecturebysynthesis.com. That's architecturebysynthesis.com. At Westrom Optometry, Dr. Joel Westrom and his team provide a variety of services, including comprehensive eye exams, children's eye exams, and LASIK co-management. Whether strictly utilitarian or a fashion statement, your comfort and vision are Westrom's primary concern. Dr. Westrom and his staff will work closely with you to determine the best solution for your eyes, prescription, and lifestyle. 
Services are provided in English and Spanish, and the clinic is open Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. till 5 p.m. and on Saturdays by appointment. That's Western Optometry, located in Des Moines East Village. Glad to have you back here at the Fallon Forum with Ed Fallon and Charles Goldman. Uh, thanks again to our sponsors, including Gateway Marketing Cafe, Central Iowa's premier good food store. Check out the Orchestrate Hospitality gift cards. Great idea for Christmas presents. And they're good not just at Gateway, but a whole bunch of other places in Central Iowa. That's Gateway Marketing Cafe. All right, Charles, um, you're vegan. Yeah, well, the, I'm an I, I eat fish. On, I, I, yeah, okay, I pescatarian. A pescatarian, okay. yeah. I'm an omnivore. Um, I'm mostly a locavore, so this story interested me because um, the federal government is pushing to allow beef imports from Paraguay despite concerns about hoof and mouth disease. Right. Which was eradicated in the U.S., what, 100 uh, years I, I ago? I think foot, foot and mouth disease. Okay, well, I, oh, you're right. Hoof and mouth. That's great. Foot, right. foot right. and mouth is what happens to politicians <laughs> or sometimes talk show hosts. <laughs> you're right. It's hoof and mouth. Yeah. So, yeah, because, I mean, that, that same disease that affects cattle can affect other animals that have hooves. So, but anyway, so... Uh, you mean like Satan? Yeah, like, like Satan, that's right. <laughs> Satan has hoof and mouth disease. Who knew? But you know what? I'm sure he can find a cure. <laughs> so, that, all right. Pretend that aside never happened, folks. So Paraguay um, grows a bunch of beef, and apparently, you know... The USDA wants to um, import a bunch from there. And uh, I'm not in favor of that because I'm a locavore and I want to see I want to see local producers be able to um, meet the demand. And I think they can. Um, and so I'm on the same page as the Iowa Cattlemen's Association and the National Cattlemen's how, so Association. How much, how much beef do you eat? I don't eat a lot of beef, <laughs> but I do. I, I support local farmers. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, we buy we buy pork, we buy lamb. Um, and then everything else we do is our own, our own, our own, you know, our own, our own efforts. But um, I, I will, we will. We will mention the small animals that are well, well, sacrificed to your appetites. Well, here. when a chicken ain't when a chicken ain't laying, she ain't staying. Okay. <laughs> okay. So um, you know, but uh, we, what we do when I go to a restaurant, I'll, I'll eat beef. I, mm-hmm. ho- I hope it's grass fed. I hope it's local. Yeah. But so I, I, I get and I get why this concern about this disease. You do not want to reintroduce hoof and mouth disease back into the U.S. Back into the the, um, the domestic cattle cattle uh, um, you know universe, but that could happen. So the um, cattlemen, I think, are rightfully accusing the federal government of uh, doing this more for political purposes because um, the uh, Paraguay is considered. And I didn't know this. Paraguay is considered the most reliable U.S. ally in South America, mm-hmm. and there's all this concern about China starting to make inroads into, you know, good economic and diplomatic relations with other South American countries. And, of course, we're, we're in an economic war with China. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in a hot war with Russia, essentially, through Ukraine. So, um, you know, they want to make sure that, uh, that we get good with Paraguay and um, support them. But that's no, reason to, that's no reason to take a chance on importing beef that might be infected with hoof and mouth disease, in my opinion. You're a vegan. I don't even know if you have an opinion about I, I, this. I really, I, I don't. I mean, I, I understand the concerns. And um, I, what, I, what I don't know is, there, is there any way to quarantine um, the beef so that you would know, know whether it is, in, you know, potentially, there's potential for spreading infection? There you go. Thinking like a physician again. Well, because what, what good I, question. Yeah, good question. I mean, I, I understand they're vaccinating these these cows to keep yeah, them. From yeah, yeah, and they, they they haven't. Paraguay has not seen an outbreak in I think almost a decade, but that's still not mm-hmm. considered long enough to assure that the it's not happening. I mean, but the and honestly, and is there any reason not to vaccinate? cattle here in the I United did, States. I mean, God, I with know. everything else they know. give those cattle, I can't imagine a vaccine would be a big issue. <laughs> well, oh, maybe unless, it's a, unless you're <laughs> RFK. Right, right, right. Well, obviously, it's a bad time to be talking about vaccinating anybody. Anybody, <laughs> including yeah. a cow. Yeah. But no, I, I mean, I one thing I like, when I, when I do eat beef, I try to eat beef that is, again, local, mm-hmm. grass-fed, and 
and and and uh, and free of any va- well you know there vaccines. is there there's there is science I, I know that you know a lot of people don't follow science anymore they follow their feelings but um <laughs> there is science to the grass fed sure. aspect of it number one being that it changes the fat profile in beef to be much more healthy yeah. in terms of the omega fat uh, distribution, they, much more akin to fish. And they're designed to eat. eat they were grass. supposed to be eating grass. That's they're, correct. They're not. They're, they're not designed to eat corn. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And so that's one advantage. The other advantage is that if you feed grass, even if you feed grass only for a limited period of time toward the end of their lives, the risk of passing these these extremely enteropathic E. coli and some other bacteria. Is much reduced, mm-hmm. so um, so yeah, you could you could certainly make the argument that there are natural ways, perhaps, of dealing with the problem. And and you know mm-hmm. the way that, as you say, when you go out, you should be looking for that. You should be looking for that in the supermarket because most everything else, as you say, is just corn fed and it's abnormal. That is not what beef should look like. Also, it's chosen to be heavily marbled. Yeah. Because that's yeah, what yeah, Americans yeah. like. Right, right, right. And I get that. There's, there's, there's yeah. a nice flavor to that. I get that's that. Right. That's I right. I get that, yeah. But I mean, I think, anti- I mean, here we're back to vaccines. Yeah. I think antibiotic products, antibiotic-free products are, are good. Well, I'd ra- the Europeans ra- won't even accept sure. the antibiotic-fed uh, livestock yeah. you know, from the United States because they don't want it used. They don't want those the high high level multi drug resistant. Well, if, if RFK Junior comes to Iowa again, we're going to have to have to ask her to well, stand on 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 a vaccine, oh, vaccine for, for cattle. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Charles, uh, folks, thanks for joining me and Charles today again. Uh, thanks to our production team of Sherry Herdina, Forrest Detterman, Charles Goldman, Kathy Burns, and myself, Ed Fallon. Thanks also to our local small business partners. Gateway Marketing Cafe, Architecture by Synthesis, Story County Veterinary Clinic, and Western Optometry. Thanks also to our nonprofit partners, Catholic Peace Ministry, Iowa Physicians for Social Responsibility, Bold Iowa, and Birds and Bees Urban Farm. And thanks to the Des Moines Irish Session for our music. We'll be back. We will be back next week, folks, with another hour of Cutting Edge Talk Radio.